Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, um, we're going to springboard from here. I say that a lot, don't I? We're going to start here, but we're going to go to a couple other places. And, and uh, I just want to share some things to encourage you. Believe it or not, we're at the end of the book of Ephesians. Um, but years ago, I remember being in college, and there was a, a miniseries that, that came out on television. It was called A.D., it was called A.D. because, and I know there's an A.D. that I believe is out right now, but this A.D. was uh, not just the history up till Jesus, but what happened after Jesus. It talked about the life of Paul and Peter and the, the different disciples and went out there. But it was a mini-series that was on regular TV, and I loved the way it ended. When it came to the end of the, the movie A.D., and it was really the story that we find in the book of Acts, it came to the end of the movie ad and at the end where they normally run up the credits and it says the end they used to do that remember you say the end instead of putting the end it said the beginning and uh, we may be coming to the end of the book of ephesians but it's really the beginning of the implementation of what god has put in our hearts and so i'm excited about that and this passage in reading it is a little unusual because you're like, okay, so the content, where's the content in that? But I found content in that. So uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 21. In all the things we've just been through, remember how Paul was talking about the armor of God, the resources that God's made available to us as we live out this life for the Lord, as we spiritually wage war on God's behalf, when we are pushing back the forces of darkness and we're helping people gain their freedom from the ensnarement of sin, all those amazing resources. Remember, we said it was the most advanced military technology of the day. And its relevance today in doing spiritual warfare is no less cutting edge. It's the best of the best. This, the weaponry that God gave us, the armor that God gave us. It's not just defensive armor, but it, it equips us to be able to do the work of the Lord. And uh, in verse 21, Paul begins his final greetings, and he says, Tychicus, the dear, uh, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And uh, um, I'm just go, going back and reading these scriptures. I tell you what, I want to go to the Lord and pray right now. Because there's some things the Lord put in my heart and I want to make sure I don't miss one piece of that. And I don't want to labor on anything too long that will take away from that. So let's just pray. Father, would you... Guide me and direct me and equip me, dear Lord, right now to be able to deliver the word that you want delivered. God, I thank you for the encouragement that you give us, dear God. I thank you for our ability to be grateful to you right now. Lord, would you minister your word and your life to us, we pray, as, as we share in these few moments. And Lord, we want to hear everything that you, God, you can take what is spoken and apply it to each life exactly where it's needed. And that's what we pray for, that supernatural work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I noticed something this week when I was walking through the hallway of the church, and a few years ago, Cecile and I attached a, a blackboard to the wall back out here in the hallway because, uh, and, and we specifically had put it out there because we wanted people to be able to write some things that they were grateful for, for up there at that season. I think it was uh, uh, around Thanksgiving, and we, we attached that to the wall, and, and it's remained on the wall. Last year... When we got to Thanksgiving, I went out there and I, I forget if I drew a pumpkin, I drew something. Uh, I'm, I'm not that skilled. But I drew something out there. I put, give thanks up there. And this week I walked past the bulletin board and realized the same chalk is still on the board. <laughs> We've been a whole year and haven't quit giving thanks. And we haven't even changed that board. And the intention is not necessary for that board to stay up there uh, forever. But I tell you, I, I do come by and I'm thinking now what are we going to put on that board and I thought I, I, I look forward to the day when we've got a board up there where we could just put the first names of people that we've saw, seen come to the Lord and we could celebrate lives that have been changed you know and uh, earlier when I asked for you to write down the names of family members that needed prayer or people we, and I've got that list with me and uh, so that I can be praying over your family members I look for the day where we could have a record of a role of people that God's brought into the kingdom. And we know that God's keeping a record even if we don't have one posted out there. But it is good to be thankful at all times. Paul challenges us that. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. We're talking about someone who was writing while in prison. He was being in prison for his faith. He said, rejoice in the Lord always, in everything. Give thanks. Paul here is writing again in the book of uh, the book to the Ephesians and after everything that he shared with them he talks about them he says look and, and it was interesting to me because I'm reading out of the NIV Bible and when I compared it with the, uh, some of the other Bible translations even though the content's the same the order was differently and, and Paul was concerned in, in, in the Bible that you're reading from you may see it written a little different he said it, it may start out with the phrase so that you may know how I am and what I'm doing it seemed like in this translation they put Tychicus first the messenger first but in some of the other translations they put what Paul was wanting to convey to them and that is that Paul wanted the believers in, 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 in Ephesus to know how he was and he wanted them to be encouraged and uh, um, but Tychicus was going to be the messenger who was Tychicus anybody you know who Tychicus was Tychicus, well, he just describes him as a, fe a dear brother and a faithful servant of the Lord. How many, how many of you um, could that same thing be spoken over? A dear brother or sister? Yeah, we can do that. Or a faithful person? A lot of us could do that. A lot of us could, could bear that title that Paul or... Our fellow brethren could, could speak over us and say, look, yeah, they're, they're a dear brother or sister in the Lord, and they're faithful to the Lord. But it's interesting to me that this Tychicus is being sent on a mission to the Ephesians to be able to carry a word to them, and it says that he may encourage you. And when I read the word for encouragement there, it was interesting to me because I, I looked it up in the Greek and what does it mean to encourage there? And it said parakletos. Parakletos. Where have we ever heard the word parakletos? It's the, 
the name that's used for the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the one who comes alongside to help, to encourage that Tychicus was going over to the Ephesian church delivering a word about Paul, but his mission was to encourage them. He was going to come alongside them and encourage them. He was going to come alongside them and comfort them. And when I read that passage, something went alive inside of me in reminding me that what God has called us to do as believers is to be conduits of the Holy Spirit, that we are releasing God's anointing through our lives. That we may look at ourselves and say, yeah, I, I love the Lord and I'm, I'm in the faith and, you know, and I'm, I'm being faithful. But even beyond our effort, God has given His Holy Spirit to us. And when I went back and was thinking about the, the book of Ephesians and what's been spoken over us by Paul and what's been spoken to us, the challenges as well as the information, just think about this in light of your life, believer, in light of your life. <coughs> I'm going to just hit a few mountaintops through here, but he starts off in Ephesians chapter 1, and no, I'm not going to preach through the whole book of Ephesians. It says, He chose you in Him before the foundation of the world. Believers, people of God, those who are getting ready to be people of God, God chose you in Him before the, before the foundation of the world. It was God's intent. God could see through time. God knew who you were. God knew what you, you would go through in life, and God chose you. He chose you to be holy and blameless in His sight. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. And it was His good pleasure and His will that we be a part of His family. It says, In Him we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Can I just set you free once again and just tell you, that even though we may wrestle with the constant battle of feeling unworthy for what we have received or unworthy to bear the name of God or bear the name of Christ, even though we can look at ourselves and what stands out to us, if the enemy can put a spotlight on areas of our life instead of our being spotlighting and having a spotlight and seeing all the good that's been accomplished and all the good that's been done in our lives, if that spotlight is shined by the enemy, he's going to highlight the areas where we stumbled and fell or where we had the wrong attitude or where we spoke the wrong thing or where we missed the opportunity. He's always trying to run us down. But in light of all that, let me tell you, God knows the end of your story. God knows the sum total of your life. And he chose you in him from the foundation of the world. He gave you everything that's necessary to, to fulfill the life that he called you to live. And knowing your beginning and your end, and knowing everything that fills in the gap in between, He chose you. Done deal. You received redemption. You received salvation because He knows that He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it in Christ Jesus. Don't give up. Don't back down. Don't pull back. Press in. Go deeper in the Lord. We were chosen. It says, it says in here, 
It says, and he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. He chose us. It was his. You didn't sneak in illegally. It wasn't that somehow that you tricked your way in, that you, you snuck in, that the bouncer missed you. It wasn't that somehow you got in illegally or maybe you, you feel like you're unworthy to be there. No, God chose you. God chose to reveal his mystery to you and his intent is to bring all things in heaven and the earth together under one head, even Jesus Christ. And then we go on and Paul talks about it. You know, he's thinking about this big, magnificent, this huge plan of God that God's put into, into place in the earth and God's intent to bring all things under Christ and Paul's, he's just, he's just, I just, I can just see him just beaming, just churning on the inside about what God's working on. And then he comes back in verse 17 of chapter 1 and he said, he says, I, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious, that the glorious Father may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want you to get it, he's saying. I want you to be able to receive it. I want you to understand that you may know him better. Lord, I thank you for being my Savior, but I don't know about all that other stuff. Paul's praying, I, I, I pray that you'll know him better. I, pr- I want you to know him better. I want you to get, get deeper in this. I also pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That they'll be opened up, that you'll be able to see, that they won't be dim any longer, that they'll be enlightened, that you'll be able to see with fullness and clarity, that there won't be cataracts of insecurity or cataracts of unworthiness or cataracts that are saying it may be for someone else but surely I can't do that if only he knew all the error that I've done in my life that I'm really disqualified and he says no you're not I paid the price for that let the cataracts fall off so that you can be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you And the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. And then he goes on to elaborate about the power. And he said that power is like the working of his mighty strength. Which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And he seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but in the one to come. What's he saying is, folks, if only you could grasp it, if only you could see it, if only you could realize it. What God has resourced you with is so much greater than any obstacle that you could ever face. Any struggle that you might fight, any work of the enemy that you might have to come against. Any sickness that you may ever face, the work that Jesus did, the power that he applied to your life, the power that he applied to work through your life is so much greater than any obstacle. Till every knee bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That same power. He says, look, you once, you once were lost. You were once were out there in outer darkness. You once were lost in your sin, but that's not your story anymore. You're in fellowship with the Almighty right now. Take hold of that on your inner man and realize what you've been called to do. The church in recent years has been really good about letting people know that they need to come to salvation. 
But we haven't been very good about getting people beyond salvation. And look, we always need to be sharing that story. We always need to be drawing people to salvation. But we haven't been very good about drawing believers into a place of maturity that they can walk out the life of the Lord. There's a lot of churches you can go to and every week you're reminded that you are where you came from. But you're not always reminded about what he created you for. God wants us to grow up. And that's not a negative statement. That's an encouragement. He wants us to grow up and be the people that he's called us to be. Can we run over to to the book of of John? Thank you. John chapter (laughs) 4. Appreciate that encouragement. I did need that. Thank you. So Jesus came to a disqualified group. A group that was looked down on, a a people that were despised by the religious of the day. He went to Samaria, the Jewish, true bloodline Jewish people despised the Samaritans because the Samaritans were seen as a mixed race. They had adopted language that was, was different. They had been mixed with other races and when they when they were all came back from uh, from their separation from the diaspora, when they came back, the true pure bloodline Jews looked at the Samaritans and considered them unclean. Didn't even want the shadow. Their, the, the, they said if the shadow of a Samaritan passed over the food of a Jewish person, they would throw the food out because they considered it unclean. They despised them that much. Didn't want to have anything to do with them. And in order to get to the northern part of Israel, a Jewish person generally would come to Samaria and then skirt around it and go to the other side. If they did pass through, when they got to the other side of Samaria, they would shake their feet off and shake the dust off of their clothes because they didn't want to have anything to carry from Samaria into their their own land because they were considered unclean. Yet we find that Jesus goes right through Samaria. Not only did he go through Samaria... That, that can be a lesson to you. If you feel unclean, if you feel disqualified, just because other people look down on you and frown on you, even if they are religious, just because other people look down on you and are, are pointing fingers, there may be some people that don't know enough about you to point a finger, but you look at yourself in the mirror and every day, consciously or unconsciously, you're disqualifying yourself from the blessings of the Lord. Let me just tell you, Jesus went right through Samaria. Amen? Jesus loved those people. Not only that, he stops beside the well and he sends his, his disciples off to go find some food. And while he's sitting there, a lady comes up and begins to draw water. And Jesus turns to her, who would have been considered, this lady who would have been considered unclean. And he says, look, can I have a drink of water? And she looks at him knowing that he's Jewish. And, and she says, when the Samaritan woman, this is verse 7. When, the, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And then Jesus turns to her and said, if you knew the gift of God, who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him that he would have given you living water. And then she responded, sir, you've nothing to draw with and the well's deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself 
as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Has there ever been an understatement? Then Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the river I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I I just want to, we're going to go through just a few scriptures. I I just want to encourage us. Believe, I know as a body, we've got people here who've been walking with the Lord for a long time. We received salvation. We've been, we've known the Lord. We have received that living water. We have received that living water. We've received that living water. We have tasted, we have seen, we've been brought to life. I want to ask this question. Has the spring sprung up? Is it continuing to give life? Not just us, but are we becoming a reservoir, a conduit? Are we pouring life out on the people we come in contact with? Is this an ever-flowing stream? It's not just are our needs being met, but are we meeting the needs of the people around us? And I can look around the room, and I, I just, I, I'm glowing on the inside because I see people, and yes, you are. I see people, and I know that you're faithful to do this. You're faithful to, to pour out. But there's an aspect of, the, of uh, I had a conversation this week that since we had that conversation, it's just been bubbling up on the inside of me. Yeah, that fit. There's been something going on the inside of me, and I just need to share with you about it. But um, go ahead and turn to, to John chapter 7. I want you to see something else there. Um, that deposit that's inside of us wasn't just given to us to water our soil. Look, that's a, a living, flowing stream. That's a living, flowing stream. So let's go ahead and read this in, in John 7 because I, I'm short on time today and I don't want to miss it. But, and no, I'm not worried about time. I'm going I'm to finish what I feel like the Lord has me to do. But in verse 37, John chapter 7, verse 37, on the last, Kellyanne's reading ahead, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has, has said, streams of living water will flow to him. You know what it says? What does it say? Streams of living water will flow, this one says, from within him. Wow. By this he meant what? By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus is talking about the believers, if we're believers in the Lord, that his intent, that out of our lives, that there is going to be this bubbling, life-giving stream just pouring out, flowing through us, just watering those we come in contact with. I can't help but go back in my mind to to Ezekiel chapter uh, 47. Go ahead and turn there, Ezekiel Ezekiel, uh, 47 and Psalm 1. Um, at the end of, I mean, not an end of, there's a, a, a section here, but Ezekiel 47, if I go down to verse 12, 
Ezekiel 47 is telling a story about uh, Ezekiel being shown a vision of the temple of the Lord. And from the inner part of the temple, from the holy of holies in the temple, there was a stream that came out of there. And that stream flowed out of the temple. It flowed eastward. And, and then it, uh, you can read, the, I won't go through the whole passage, but it talks about that uh, he, he uh, we've, we've, I've spent time with this because it's something that I really believe is a message for our church. But he talks about how they were measuring the, the river and how they went out in the river up to their ankles. And then they went a little bit deeper. They went up, up to their knees. And then they went a little bit deeper and came up to their waist. And then they got deep enough in the river where all of a sudden it was so deep that they just had to swim in the river. And this was a river of life that was flowing out of the temple. And then it comes along a little bit later in here, and it starts talking about, in verse 12, it says, Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on, the, on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. So he's talking about trees growing on the banks of this river. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit. Because the water from the sanctuary flows to them, and their fruit will serve for fruit, and their leaves for healing. I'm sorry, their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. So there's a picture that's given here of this river of life flowing out of the temple. Alongside the banks, there are these flourishing, there's flourishing trees. How are these trees able to flourish? The roots are, are tapped in. They've put down roots. They have grown into a relationship with this river. They may be on the bank, but they've grown into a relationship with this river. There's a similar passage in, in, in Psalm chapter 1 that talks about blessed is the man who doesn't hang around with the scornful. He's not soaking up everything that's going on in the world, but what sustains their life is a relationship with the Lord and spending time in the Word, that there's an ongoing relation. Because of that, he'll be fruitful in season. His, his leaves won't wither. It's a similar image to what we're seeing right here. Because of the interrelationship, the intertwining of the life of God with the life of the individual. Here in this passage, these trees that are growing along the banks of the river, there is life that's bursting forth from them. Is there famine in the land? I mean, is there, is there a drought in the land? Are there times when there's no rain? Are there times when it gets cold and, and uh, it, it grows cold? Who knows? These trees aren't affected in that way because the life-sustaining force in them is because they're connected to the river. So according to that passage, they get bore fruit every month. They, their leaves were available all the time to bring healing. Why? Because they were tapped into a river of life. Amen? I just want to challenge you with something. Believers, J Jesus has spoken to us in John chapter 4 and verse 7. He talked about out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water. That there will be streams of life that flow from us. That because we have grown in relationship with the Lord, there is the availability of fruitfulness at all times. When does the Holy Spirit shut off? He don't. When does he go on a sabbatical? When does he say, well, it's wintertime, so it's time to back off? What if he's available all the time? What if he's available all the time? We sang that song, and we were blessed by it many years ago. 
there shall be showers of blessing. And I do thank the Lord for when He rains on us and we have these special encounters of the Lord. But what if we weren't dependent just on an occasional rain shower and we really stayed in fellowship with Him the way we have the availability to and we can put our roots down into Him and even when it's dry and parched everywhere, every, even when the circumstances of life aren't rosy and something to make you want to jump up and shout, your roots are so planted in Him that you've got something to sustain you in the dry times. You've got something to sustain you in the cold times. You've got something to sustain you in the hot, hot days. You still can draw from that cool river water that's flowing out there in a desert land. That's what the Holy Spirit is to us. He is the promise. We don't have to suffer drought. We don't have to wither with circumstances. We don't have to fall away and become unfruitful because of something we go through our life. Even in the most difficult times of our life, God can still bring fruit through you. And I know I've talked about this, and I know that I don't know why I walked through this, but I remember when I was going through colon cancer, suffering with, with that affliction, and, and I can't explain to you why I, had, why I walked through that, but I did, okay? I mean, I've seen people be healed, and there I was. I had colon cancer. And I can tell you this, that in the middle of that storm, I didn't feel like I was done. <clears throat> Lying on the gurney, getting ready to go in and have surgery. I had scriptures coming to me. I've, I don't know that I've ever felt the presence of the Lord so strongly with me as, was he, as he was at that moment. And I was asking Cecile, Cecile, read this passage. Read this passage, Isaiah 61. And read this passage, and other passages would come to mind. Would you read this passage? As soon as she was finishing up with one area, another scripture would be coming to mind. Read this one, read this one. I was just, it was just, I couldn't get it quick enough. I, could, I just felt so full of the presence of the Lord. And there I was getting ready for surgery. It it, should have, it could have been a time where I was, woe is me. I'm, uh, why am I going through the Lord? Why, 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 why? And yet I just felt the presence of the Lord in that place. Felt the presence of the Lord coming out. I remember wake, awakening from anesthesia, coming out of surgery. I said, Lord, I don't know why I'm here, but since I'm here, do you have any damage you want to do to the enemy's kingdom? Let's find someone to bless. I didn't pray for him, but my dad prayed for the guy who was in the room with me because I shared a room with somebody, and, and he gave his life to the Lord. Amen. You may walk through the waters, but they'll not overtake you. You may walk through the fire, but it won't send you, it won't burn you. There's a different kind of substance on the inside. Thank you, Jesus. There's a river flowing to you all the time, all the time, all the time. Look. I understand where we are. There, there's times when I have to get on my face before the Lord because I, it, it's tough. It can get tough. But I'm going to tell you, if you will turn your face to the Lord, He is not far away. There, I remember praying for the Lord. And it was down here on this altar one time, and, and I just it felt dry to me. And I just, I'm like, Lord, what? Lord, I just need your help, Lord. I don't know what's going on. And the Lord, this, is, this may sound strange to you. I'm just, this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, just take a step sideways. I'm like, what? And, and I, I did like that. And the Lord says, I'm, I'm right there. I'm right there. 
your circumstances may make you feel like he's not there. But he's right there. He said he would never leave us nor forsake us. Look, God doesn't expect his believers to live on the occasional showers of his presence. Jesus' promise was that he will be with you and he will be in you. The Holy Spirit has been given to you as a deposit, as a guarantee of your inheritance. The Scripture said that, Ephesians 1. The Holy Spirit of God is not just a visitor. Can I, 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 I want to challenge you with a thought. Spirit-filled, full of God's goodness and grace. The anointing works when you don't feel it. You don't have to feel in order for the anointing to work. If you're called on to be able to minister to somebody, if the opportunity arises and you're not feeling, we shouldn't be led by feelings, but just minister to the person. Do the work of the Lord. You haven't had five hours to pray and seek the Lord that day. Well, just minister out of the abundance of what God's put inside of you. It's not you. It's, it's God. So just do the work of the Lord. God is always on. God's always on. A situation arises where there, this person, if somebody needs ministry, and uh, you don't have any, any, any uh, I mean, you haven't had any foreknowledge of, of what's going on with them in prayer, God can minister through the gifts of the Spirit. God can give you wisdom. God can give you supernatural knowledge. God can give you discernment of what's happening in their lives. God can can speak a word to them that will change and challenge their circumstance situation because God's on. And if God puts you in that situation, don't put it off till tomorrow. Minister to them out of the river that's flowing through you. There's fruit available in your life. There are leaves, a part of your tree, that bring healing to the nations because it's His life inside of you. You may not even realize that he can use you. You not, may not even realize. I mean, it may feel on the outside like it's all drought and heat or the climate's not quite right. You may be struggling with something yourself, but let me tell you, there's a river that you're tapped into. His life flows through you. So just be obedient to do the work of the Lord. I thank the Lord that he is not dependent on a feeling. Look, we, got, we, need to, we, we need to get away from the mindset that um, this may challenge you, but God will give you opportunities to do things and don't feel like you've got to go out and put your bucket outside and wait for a shower so that you've got something that you can be able to water the ground with. There's a rich reservoir Kellyanne, if I got you to come up here, I'm not going to, so just rest. But if I got you, she'd bubble over anyhow. But if I got you to come up here and just say, Kelly, would you just tell us your story? But I haven't had time to pray. <laughs> Patty, if I got up here and got you to come up and share about what God's done in your life, you may not have a word in your, in your mind when you start out. But Jesus said, well, don't worry about what you're going to speak. Just get up and, and share. Just get it. When you have, you got all kinds of things, right? Bring it on, she said. I haven't forgotten, Louise. 
We'll find a day. Look, everyone in here has a life-giving story. Do you realize that the water that he's watered you with over all these years is just enough to give life to the seed in somebody else's life? To bring that seed from the hard, crusty place that it is to germinate and activate the DNA, the spiritual DNA that God put inside of it, soften that hard and crusty outside and cause that seed to have just enough moisture to bring life. Let me tell you, when that has been watered, you better believe that the supply of the Holy Spirit will see to it that there's something there to continue watering that seed. What God needs is a people that are willing to get out and share what's been given. We're not supposed to be reservoirs. We're not supposed to be cataloging how full our tank is. If there's any kind of measure that we need to be measuring, it should be the volume that flows through. What has God been able to do through our life? What has God been able to do? I, I stand, I, I, I live a life amazed. I, I, I'm going to tell you, I love to be used by the Lord, but it amazes me because... Um, of the circumstances or situation the Lord's put me in, I just felt completely inadequate. And I know that it doesn't even bother me anymore because I know that I cannot do what I'm called to do or what I'm placed in positions to do outside of the anointing of the Lord. But let me tell you, the anointing of the Lord is more than enough for any situation. If He opens the door for you, He is not expecting you to be able to accomplish it in your strength. But are you willing? If he walks you into an uncomfortable place, if he takes you to a place that you've never been before or talking to someone, is the enemy going to be able to derail you by making you worry about what other people will think about you? Is he going to be able to derail you by making you think that you're unqualified? Is he going to derail you by making you think, well, maybe I need to get somebody else to take care of it. God's opened the door for you. Do not put off until tomorrow what God wants you to do today. If God puts you in the situation, I just want to tell you, you are the right person for that moment. You and the Holy Spirit. Look, there's streams in the desert right here all over this place. Years ago, I had this crazy, crazy opportunity that came to me. It's going to blow your mind. Y'all going to think this this pastor has gone off his rocker i i had a, a real estate agent and a real estate investor approach me and uh, they said we want you to work with us this is when i was down in florida one of those florida things but they said we want you to work with us to uh we found somebody who wants to sell some land down in brazil i want you to know if you'll help us to be able to to, to purchase that land in brazil it was sixty thousand acres in the brazilian rainforest 60,000 acres. And so we started, I, I started researching and finding out about things, and we knew some Brazilian people down in, in Tampa, and so we started working on it. There were 27 rivers that ran through that land. It was a logistical nightmare trying to figure out exactly how to f determine the boundaries on 60,000 acres. How do you find out who lives 
as far as are there jungle peoples in there? Are there what kind of resources are there? We found out that there'd been an aerial survey of the timber and there were uh, too much detail. I won't go into all of it, but there was 27 rivers. Just that was astounding to me to think of 27 rivers flooding that area. Why is that jungle area so fruitful? There's an abundant supply of water. 27 rivers flowing through that one place. And it, then it, it came right out to the Amazon River on, on the a deep water, so there was availability for shipping to come to it and everything like that. And uh, we never bought it. Um, but, folks, look around you. How many streams does it take to water an area with the presence of the Lord? How many seasoned, Bible-believing, spirit-filled, walking-with-God people does it take to turn a town upside down? I've got a picture of my telephone from Thursday morning having those pastors that have been having prayer breakfast sitting in our fellowship hall. They came here this week, and we spoke of our church, and they gathered around me and prayed for our church this week. Some of the most prominent Spirit-filled, Bible-believing, want to evangelize our city pastors in the town. We're praying over us for God to use us to reach this community. How many streams does it take? Look, the Spirit of God is flowing to you to meet your needs, to make sure that you don't miss a thing. But His intent is also to get beyond you, that He flows through you to this community. And God can use us to turn things right side up. Are we willing? Have we got the valve shut off? Have we put rocks in the river? Or are we tapped in? Let's, let's bear fruit. Let's let, let's let healing be manifest. Let's, let's meet the needs of our community. When the door opens up to have a conversation, let's have that conversation. Look, sometimes the conversation, you don't have to say much. You just need to be there to hear. And it may be one or two words. At the end of this day, of everything that I've said over the last 50 minutes, you couldn't recount to me all the things that I've said, but I'm hoping that there's one or two words that stick, <laughs> that God would just seal those things to your lives and you'll be able to carry that forever. God can change circumstances through your life. God can change situations. God can change this community. We just need to be willing. <laughs> and I believe we are. The Holy Spirit is for you, but He's also supposed to be flowing through you. The anointing doesn't shut off unless we shut it off. The gifts of the Spirit are available, and they're active. They are available to you. They are available to you. They are available to you. Don't shut them down. Let them flow through you. Let God work through you. Amen. Let's stand together and let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, this is the Sunday preceding Thanksgiving. But God, it's been a day of gratitude. Lord, I trust I'm expressing the heart of each person that's in this place right now. When I say this, Lord, I don't understand how you can love us. God... Because if we measured our life on a scale, dear God, we would find it full 
of faults and failure. Lord, our best efforts don't measure up, dear God. Our best accomplishments, dear Lord, pale. But God, I thank you that you've chosen us, dear Lord, to bear your name and to live the life that you've created us for. And Lord, for those who may be here today and they <coughs> don't really grasp this, dear Lord, or they haven't come to know you, I pray that they will. Lord, would you open up a channel of communication into their life and draw them into relationship? God, everything that you purposed from the beginning to the end, dear God, they have an opportunity to be a part of it as well. There's a place at the table intended for them. It'll be there for them, dear Lord, until they say no. So God, today, I pray that you would draw people into your kingdom. And Lord, for the, for the powerfully anointed, your God, for those that have called and commissioned that stand right here in this place today, Lord, Lord, for those that are here, dear Lord, that you've put a rich deposit inside and yet they don't understand what they have. Lord, I pray for the release of that, dear God, for the, for the activation, dear Lord, for the implementation of their gifts, dear God, so that your house would not lack, dear God, so that your family would not be a member short, dear God, in, in rising up to, to, to do what we've been called to do. And God, that you would use us to be able to reach people just tell the story that we've been given. Just share what we've experienced, your God, and, and share what we've learned. God, and let it bring life to people, we pray. I thank you, Lord, for sending your Holy Spirit to dwell in us and flow through us. God, help us to stay in fellowship, Lord, so that we're not withered by our circumstances or, or uh, taken out by adversity in life. But God, help us to stand in the midst of the storm. And in all of this, may one thing ring true, Lord. May you be glorified in the earth. May you be glorified, dear Lord, right now in a tangible way, dear Lord. Would you show yourself to these people, dear God? Would they feel the warmth of your presence? Would they know that you are alive with them right now? Bless them, dear God, I pray. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed and be a blessing. May the Lord be with you.